man of God, Sujith Alex. Thank you, Bob. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Please take your seats. It is good to see you. May I add just one more welcome to every person that's new here visiting with us. Please take time to scan the QR codes at the back of your screens uh, or the seats. Or uh, if you're able to, just stop by at our welcome booth on your way out. There'll be a team there just ready to welcome you, collect uh, any information we may need from you just to keep in touch. Or even if you don't want to leave us your information, there's a free gift for you to take away. If you could do that, that would be wonderful. I just want to give you a bit of an update on Reshmi, my wife's health. If you're new here and you're wondering what that is, uh, a month or so ago, uh, my wife Reshmi was uh, diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And uh, we had a follow-up um, appointment with one of the consultants in Addenbrooke's this week uh, that had uh, further kind of explanations of what's going on, what the cancer was like, more details of what they found and what our next steps are. So I'll just to give you briefly what we discovered. So basically, they've removed uh, Reshmi's entire thyroid gland. They found cancer in four different areas within the, ca- uh, within the thyroid. One was about two and a half centimeters long or, or wide. Uh, that was the biggest one. And then there was two others. And then one um, on, a, on a lymph node in the, in the middle uh, cavity of the thyroid as well. So thankfully, all of those tumors are removed. And then on the 20th of June... Uh, Reshmi is going to go into Addenbrooke's for, um, she, she'll be there admitted for about a week where she'll undergo further radioactive treatment. But um, the good news is what the doctor said, all of the tumor has been removed and the prognosis is quite well and they are hoping that by the end of this it will be completely cured. So thank you for all your prayers and for your support at this time. I really appreciate, really appreciate the support that you've given us during this time. So please continue to pray for us. Um, we're hoping that uh, by the end of this week, uh, Reshmi's mom and dad will be uh, able to come and visit us. And that will be really helpful when Reshmi's away for a week in Addenbrooke's for just to have that added support at home with the kids and the home and everything. That will be also amazing. So we're praying that uh, Reshmi's parents will be able to join us as soon as possible. But uh, the prayer, the love, the support... Uh, we have felt in this time has been second to second to none and, and just it's been amazing so thank you to everyone for your prayers your kindness your care the texts the emails uh, I've not been able to respond to um, I'm not exaggerating hundreds of messages and emails and texts that are still waiting some even unread um, because it's not just here but just the network of churches and friends that we have there is a lot that we're trying to to get back to. So if I haven't responded to any of the communication, please forgive me. Um, but we're trying to just work through it um, one week at a time and hoping to get everything everything back. So thank you again for your prayers. I'm going to read from the Bible. That's what we do every Sunday and allow it to speak to our hearts. I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 9, starting from verse 1 all the way to verse 7, and then we're going to pray and ask God to speak to our hearts today. Father, uh, let's read first and then I'll pray. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. 
You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Are we able to um, have that in another version if you've got the NIV or any other version? Can we just read that again? It'll be good if we can corporately read scripture together. The Bible is a very, very old book, but I believe the voice of God is always fresh. And there is something powerful about not just um, the meditated word of God when we're reading that in our mind, but the spoken and the read word of God. So if we can corporately read that, that'll be amazing at the count of three. One, two, three. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have multiplied the nation. Sorry, verse 3. That's verse 5. We can go back to the previous slide. You have multiplied the nation. Are we still on ESV? If we can do that, the NIV, please. There you go. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoiced before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. If we can go back to verse 1, stick in the same version if we can. What I'd like to do is just do a verse-by-verse study or explanation of these seven verses, and we're going to pray in close. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For the power of the gospel. We thank you for the name of Jesus Christ. Today, open our hearts to see Jesus. Holy Spirit, you bring revelation, illumination. Thank you that you are here. So we thank you that today we will see Jesus in a way we have never seen him before. And as a result of that, our lives will never be the same again. We bind every distractive force of demonic activity that will come and cause us to focus our own works or focus on the works of the enemy. Today we choose to focus on your works that you've already completed for us. In Jesus' name, let the sick be healed. Let those who are bound be free. Let the church of Jesus Christ grow. We thank you for the power of the word of God. 
Your word says in Isaiah 55 verse 11 that the word of God that goes forth from your mouth will not return to yourself void, but it shall accomplish the purpose for it to send and it shall prosper in it. So prosper the purpose of your word today in Jesus' name. I thank you for what you're about to do. Amen. Verse 1 says, Nevertheless, there will no longer be gloom for those who are in distress. By the way, this story, as you you may have um, during Christmas heard that particular verse, for unto us a son is born, a child is given, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And this is basically a description of what Jesus is and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. This was written by a prophet called Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But verses 1 to 7 describe for us what it means if Jesus is part of our lives. Many times you can go through life knowing that Jesus is with you and Jesus is for you and Jesus is in you, but not fully appreciate or understand what that really means or what that really did for you. And today we're going to explore what it means to, to know that we have received the gift of Jesus Christ. Here is the first thing that the Bible wants to point to us in verse 1. Nevertheless, there will no longer be gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Let me tell you something. God is not insecure about honoring you. God is not insecure about honoring you. He's not insecure. He says one of the first things, it starts by this say. So here, the prophet Isaiah is presenting to us the fact that God wants to give his son Jesus to us. And he starts by saying this. When Jesus comes, in the past there was distress and in the past there was gloom. But nevertheless, there will no longer be gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, Zebulun and Naphtali, which are two of the tribes of Israel, were had to go through humbling times. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Can you see how specific that address is? He will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. If you've been in a church a long time, you're perhaps used to saying things like, God wants to honor his name, which is true. God wants to honor Jesus, which is true. Did you know that because of the gift of Jesus, he wants to honor you? He is not insecure about honoring you. He's not insecure about sharing his glory. He's not insecure about, he's not going, oh my goodness, if I honor Paul, he's going to get big headed. And then once he gets big headed, he's no longer going to need me. No, no. That's the slave mentality. That's a servant's mentality. When you are working for somebody who is a master and you are a slave, the master makes sure that you always need him. Because if you get independent and if you get big-headed and you no longer need the master, then you will cut and run and you will no longer need the master. And many of us in this room have known God as your master, but I want to introduce God to you as your father. And you are his children. And when the father 
father is loving his children, the father loves to share honor and glory with his children. I want to say to some of you who have never, you've never been honored by your parents, you've never been honored by community, you've never been honored by your school, you've never been honored by your friends, you've never got honor at work, and even that whole concept feels ridiculous to you. If somebody wants to show you honor, or somebody wants to elevate you or give you glory, you'll even use Christian language sometimes to say, oh, no, 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 don't honor me, don't give me glory, all the honor and glory belongs to God, it's not to me. Hey, listen, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 says, God wants to honor you, honor the Gentiles, and he's very specific, he wants to honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea, along the Jordan, he's going to honor Zebulun and Naphtali, can I encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, expect honor to come your way, expect glory to come your way, expect the goodness of God to come your way, in the old covenant, that was not a concept, because he was the master, and we were his servants, in the new covenant, we have a better privilege, under better promises, under a better covenant, he is not just my master, he is my father, and I am his son, and it is his desire and his will to honor me. The gospel brings honor. The gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ brings dignity. And let me tell you something. When you realize that the Father wants to honor you, I promise you this, it will not cause you to go, great, God has honored me, I no longer need him. I'll tell you what it'll do to you. It'll make you want God even more. It will want you, to, it'll make you want to spend time in his presence even more. It will make you want to worship him even more. It's not going to cause the effect of of a, of a slave that runs away when the master honors the slave. But when children are honored, they love the father. They love the mother. And I want to say to you as Beacon Church, one of the things I am so glad, I'm so appreciative of the atmosphere we have here, is that we honor the, we honor the presence of God. We honor the word of God. But we also honor people. Where to, we have to show honor to whom honor is due. Why? Because the introduction of the gospel starts not by announcing forgiveness of sin it doesn't start by announcing the forgiveness of our sin by the shed blood of Jesus Christ no Isaiah starts or announces the gospel by saying hey Jesus is about to come to you and get ready for honor get ready for honor Get ready for honor. You see that across the Bible, the theologians or students or students or teachers of the Bible call it the law of first mention. The law of first mention says anytime God does something for the first time, pay attention because it probably shows you something about the heart of God. You know what the first miracle in the Bible was? It's not to forgive somebody of their sins. It's not to heal disease. It's actually to turn up at a wedding and wick and fix a problem they had with a shortage of wine. Why? Because the first problem Jesus fixed was not even the relationship problem that people had with him. The first miracle Jesus performed was a miracle that fixed the case of honor. It fixed the case of honor. Because if there was a shortage of wine in that community, in that culture, there would be dishonor. And he showed up and gave honor and dignity and worth and value. There are some people here, many of your addictions, many of your problems, many of your anxieties, many of your anger outbursts are all because there is an honor deficit in your life. And you've been looking for that honor from people. You've been looking for that honor from the church. You've been looking for that honor from your mom and dad. And maybe they're supposed to do it. Maybe they were not supposed to do it. Maybe you haven't got it. 
but in the gospel no matter how much the deficit is you are you are you you have the assurance that because of the gift of Jesus he wants to honor you he wants to you have to believe that with every fiber of your being some of you who have been brought up in church are even finding this message so uncomfortable because you're not used to knowing that the gospel introduced itself by saying this is going to bring honor to people honor to god yes glory to god yes but it's going to bring honor to people in the future there will no longer be distress but he will bring honor to Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. I love how specific that address is. I love how specific he was. I want to encourage you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows your parents. He knows your situation. He knows your past. He knows what you've had to come through. And you, not the person sitting next to you, not the person who can pray better than you, not the person who can worship better than you, but you, listen to me. He, God, the God of the universe, wants to honor you. He wants to honor you. Verse 2. This is what the gospel does. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Again, if you've grown up in church and you're used to church customs and church traditions and church, how, how church does things, you'd be quite comfortable if verse 2 said, on those who were fasting and praying, a great light has dawned. On those who were reading the Bible, a great light has dawned. On those who never missed a single day of church in their life, great light has dawned. On those who were faithful in their tithes and offerings, a great light has dawned. On those who never sinned in their life, a great light has dawned. But the gospel announces this. Those walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the shadow of death, light has dawned. The gospel comes to not, not to people who are strong enough and powerful enough and obedient enough. Because if you could do it, you did not need Jesus. I need Jesus because I couldn't do it. I need Jesus because my best efforts see me walking in darkness. I couldn't do it because on my best day, I'm still living in the shadow of death. But I'm grateful for the gospel because if there's anybody here that says, I'm walking in the shadow of death, I'm walking in darkness, the gospel announces to you, you are the candidate for the glory of God. You are the candidate for the gift of God. You are the candidate for the grace of God. God's generosity to you is dependent on His nature Not your darkness. His generosity towards you is dependent on his nature. Not your darkness. And many people who are religious will live in darkness and say, One day I want to live in the light so God can shine his light. One day I'm going to get out of the shadow of death so God can qualify me for his light. You will be trying all your life and I promise you this, it will be exhausting. Because not your best efforts can get you to a place where you feel you're good enough, powerful enough, qualified enough, able enough. But no, the gospel of Jesus announces this. Those walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. 
If you are here today and you are disqualifying yourself because of your sin, because of your addiction, because of your brokenness, because of the darkness you feel in your life, can I tell you that is not from God. God is attracted. God is attracted to where darkness is because he knows that your efforts, your prayer, your hard work is not going to fix it. Only his light, his blood, his power, his life can fix it. So if you are here today and you are feeling darkness all over you, I want to say something to you. The grace of God is attracted towards you the grace of God wants you the grace of God wants to draw near to you will you open your heart to realize that no matter who you are where you are God is close he is near he wants to know you he wants to touch you he wants to feel you he wants to experience and be intimate with you Paul when he was writing to a church in Rome in the Bible he puts it this way While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were praying, not while we had our act fixed right, not when we got all of our act together, no. While we were still sinners, Christ was attracted to us, wanted to be with us, wanted to make home with us. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Verse 3, look at the next You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. I'm seeing my time has gone, so maybe another time uh, I'll maybe explain verse 3. Let's look at verse 4 and 5. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar that across their shoulder, the rod of the oppressor. Verse 5. For every warrior's boot used in battle... And every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for fire. What does the gospel bring? The gospel says, that Isaiah says, when you receive the gift of Jesus, for unto us a child is given, a son is born, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. It's obviously talking about Jesus. It's the prophecy of Jesus. It says it's like this. You've increased and enlarged their joy, like the joy you have at harvest like the joy when you divide the splendors of war. And every yoke, every, every burden upon their shoulder, he will shatter. And every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for fire. I remember my life dramatically changing when I understood the reality of these words. Because I understood that there are times that I sometimes don't always live in the constant, continuous, conscious awareness that God is for me, God is with me. Often, after, even though I am a child of God, I can slip back into my own righteousness, my own works, my own hard work, my, my, my irritations, my everything that comes with living in, in what the Bible calls the flesh. My spirit has been made brand new, he is brand new in Christ Jesus, but I often have this battle. And, and, and Isaiah says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for fire. I used to be ashamed of the battles I've had to fight. I used to be ashamed of the, the warrior's boots I have collected. I used to be ashamed of the garments rolled in blood. Because all of this talks about the life of Zebulun and Naphtali before they had the revelation of Jesus. But when the gospel comes, 
the gospel makes your past pay for you. The gospel makes your past pay for you. Now I look back at the warrior's boots and the garments sold in, uh, soaked in blood. And I look at them and go, that is going to become fuel for my fire. That's going to become fuel for my fire. Can I encourage you? Don't be ashamed of your battles. Don't be ashamed of your scars. Don't be ashamed of your stories. Don't be ashamed of the times the enemy got you and you've got a few boots that you've collected where you've had to go into battle. Don't be ashamed of your wardrobe when you open it and there's blood-soaked garments because it is, a, it is an indication of the number of battles you've had to fight. And when you fought the battle, you came back not victorious, but you came back bloodied and often you thought this was going to be the end. If you are honest, even if you are a child of God that reads the Bible every day, you pray every day and you may go to church eight days a week. I don't care who you are. Whoever you are, if you are really honest and if you were to open your wardrobe, we could show you some warrior's boots. We could show you some blood-soaked garments because there are battles we haven't won. There are battles that we have come through and it has bloodied our nose. There are battles we have fought and we have lost a few soldiers, so all that we're left with is a few warrior's boots. And I used to be ashamed of that closet. I'd want to hide it and only project to people and say, hey, these are my good days. These are my Instagram moments. These are the moments where I'm strong, where I'm bright, where I'm sparky, where I'm on top of the world. But if truth be told, I'm really upset and afraid that people will maybe just open my closet and see the warrior's boots that have been used in battle and the warriors are not here anymore. See the garments that are rolled in blood that I had to go through battle after battle and it cost me blood. It cost me tears. It cost me sweat. If we had time and if we were to pass the microphone around to people who are followers of Jesus Christ and if we were honest we could tell you story after story of battles we've gone through. Battles we are still fighting even now and it has bloodied us and it has cost us and it has cost us to sweat and toil and sometimes it's made us lose our sleep. Even right now, sometimes we're going through battles and we're looking at the promises of God and saying, God, you promised that you would heal, but look at this battle we're going through. It's costing us time, energy, money, effort, but this is the goodness of the gospel. No matter what battle you have gone through in your life, no matter how many boots you've had to collect over your time period, no matter how many many garments are in your wardrobe that are blood soaked each garment pointing to a battle that you've had to fight and you've had to go through some of you are fighting battles in your home some of you are fighting battles at work some of you are fighting battles all around you you are a child of God everybody knows you are a child of God so everybody thinks everything should go well with you but we are not exempt from battles sometimes we will collect a few boots along the way and sometimes we will collect a few blood soaked garments along the way but here's the good news. Those boots are not to be thrown away. Those boots are not to be meant to be hidden in a closet so that nobody sees your shame. But the God of the Bible will make sure that that becomes fuel for your fire. I don't care who I'm, who, who it is that you are here today. And I don't care what you have gone through. I don't care how big your battle has been. And I don't care how bloody it has been. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not disqualify you because you have lost a battle. It becomes fuel for your fire. 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 If I'm really honest, I have the privilege often of, um, 
of overseeing churches and pastors, not in just in our network of assemblies of God, but even churches locally and elsewhere. And uh, you will see in the coming weeks and months that many Sundays you'll have pastors here just visiting because they're going to start coming to Beacon Church on what they call learning weekends, where they just spend 24 hours with us on a Saturday and Sunday church leaders who will spend because they want to create something in their own towns and cities, what they have experienced here at Beacon Church. And often people say to me, they say, "Um, tell us where the fuel for your fire comes from. And I'd love to say it's just the Holy Spirit, my prayer life, how much I fast, number of hours I read the Bible. I can read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew and Arabic. I can't, by the way. I mean, if that. Some of us do that thinking it's going to add fuel to the fire. Maybe I do that. I read the Bible. I pray. I love Jesus. I love spending time with God. But I promise you, part of the fuel for my fire is because I've gone through a few bloody battles. Every person that has gone through a few bloody battles and you're still standing and you know the Holy Spirit is going to use that as fuel for your fire. Why don't you give Jesus praise right now? Because that's the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Every warrior's boot, every warrior's boot used in battle. And every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. Don't be scared of your battles. Don't be ashamed of your scars. You are not your wounds. You are not your scars. You are not your battles. You are not your blood-stained garments. You are not the collection of the warrior's boots that you have picked up over the years where you have boots to show but no soldiers to show because you have lost so much in battle. If you will come to the right side of the cross, the wrong side of the cross, which is the old covenant, will teach you that that should disqualify you, that should make you small, that is an indication that God can never use you. But when we step into the right side of the cross, which is that side, the side where we focus on God's generosity towards us rather than our works towards Him, when you focus on that, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and it will be fuel for fire. I want to see if you want to just lift your hands. I want to declare the fire of God over you, not just because the Holy Spirit is here, but because you've gone through some battles. For every battle you've had to fight, for every scar that you bear in your life, for every wounding you have had to go through, for every boot that is in your closet where you have lost a soldier and you can point at the boot, for every blood-soaked garment that is in your possession, I say fire of God upon your life. The fire of God on 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 your life. Receive the fire of God. Jesus is generous towards you. In Jesus name. Come on one more time. Let's raise a shout of praise to Jesus. Who has given us fuel for the fire. Fuel for the fire. Fuel for the fire. Man, where does time go? I've got five minutes left. Let's see if we can unpack verse 6 and verse 7. For unto us a child is born. See, what's the most important word in that verse is the first word, for, or because of the previous. It's like saying, um, you know, therefore, or because. Because to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders And it will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I am glad that the child and the son is not gained. The child and the son is given. The basis of our relationship with God is not performance, it's gift. The basis of any manifestation of your life is not how well you can perform for God, but how much your eyes can be opened to the fact that He is a giver. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is what? Given. 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 For God so loved the world that He demanded. No, He gave. He gave. He gave, he gave, he gives, he has been giving, he wants to give today, he wants to continue to give, he wants to continue to give. A man called Paul who was a church leader was writing to one of the churches in Rome and he put it this way, if he did not withhold his son but gave himself for us, will he not also give everything else my paraphrase if God could kill his son for you everything's going to be alright everything's going to be alright everything else also depends on a gift how am I going to parent his gift how am I going to be a good husband his gift how am I going to look after my children his gift how am I going to pay the bills his gift how am I going to read the bible his gift how am I going to pray his gift for unto us a son is what? Given. He's given. He wants to give. He's a giver. He's a giver. And that's why those of us who have experienced the gift of God, the love of God, it's very, very easy to, to know how much a person has truly understood the gospel. It's very easy to measure whether a person has truly met Jesus. Just look at their giving habits. Because if you truly understood God, you would know He's a giver. He gives. Not when we deserve it. Not when the conditions are perfect. When we're still walking in darkness. He's giving. And He's giving. And He's giving. And He's giving. And when we truly understand that, then we try and we will see that our lives also imitate the Father that's given to us. And we give. We give without 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 caution we give without regret we give we bring our tithes and offerings we give because why it's an indication of what's happened to us and that's why our generosity is not a duty our generosity is a response to how generous God has already been to us John one of the church leaders of the early times said it this way we love this is love, not that we love, but that God loves us and gave himself for us. That's what love is, not that we love, but that he loved us. For unto us a son is given. What did you do to deserve the son? Any answers? Nothing. Then what is it that you're trying to prove to God? You need to do something to get the next bit. The greatest gift has already been given. So open your eyes to the fact that he is generous. I want to take a moment and prophesy over you 
this week you will receive good gifts coming your way when you least expect it. Because that is the nature of God. This month and this year you will find God finding good things for you. Not because you have performed your way toward it, because you've prayed your way into it. You will just see God being generous to you. And he wants you to have these gifts so that your heart will know that he is generous towards you. So you can live a generous life in loving God and blessing him. The government will be on his shoulders, verse 6 says. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Man, I wish I had time to unpack what all of those means. But let's look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the what? Increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You can, un, you can know who has really understood the gospel, by which government they spend time talking about more. There's two governments, isn't there? That we live in anyway. There's the British government. I'm also under another government. It's called the government of his peace. And of the increase of that government and of that peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. When the gospel becomes real in our life, we're not afraid of wars and rumors of wars. We're not afraid of governments that are functional or dysfunctional. We engage in politics. and That is our civilian duty that we must do and we encourage every person to do. But can I encourage you? Don't be depressed by the lack of peace. Don't be depressed by the presence of a dysfunctional government. You're under another government. You're under another prime minister. You're under another king. Do you know what his name is? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. He is your ruler. He is your overseer. It is under his government that you are in. And of his government and peace, there will be no end. 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 That means this is not just a a good feeling you're going to get because you're in church on a Sunday. His government and his peace will not end on a Monday. It will not end on a Tuesday. It won't end on a Wednesday. It won't end when you have to go back to work and you're anxious and thinking, Oh God, I've lost peace. No, you are under another government. You are not just under the government of the economy of this world where you have to turn up at work and you're really scared because if work doesn't go well, you can't pay the bills. No, there is another government that you are under. It is the government of the wonderful counselor, the government of the mighty God, the government of the everlasting father, the government of the prince of peace and of his government and of his peace there will be no end there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time forever paul come up for a moment grab that microphone you've all seen this example it's pretty simple paul has got a microphone in his hand If you want to stretch that towards your right, towards your right there, there you go. That's a pretty small object and he can hold it. But whether he can uphold it for one hour, we don't know. Whether he can uphold it for 24 hours, we don't know. 
It all depends on the stamina and the strength of his muscles. It's easy to hold something, but it's difficult to uphold something, isn't it? It's easy to just do that. But to keep holding it, that can get tiring. The gospel, the good news of Jesus says, not only will he establish it, but he will uphold it. He will uphold it. It is his responsibility to keep holding it. Look at the stage for a moment. Imagine the microphone is your marriage, your life, your future, your children. Remember, there is a hand below your hand holding it, upholding it, keeping it, establishing it. There is an invisible hand on your life. And if you are not aware of it, if you are not conscious of it, you will think it's all down to you. You will think it's all down to you. And you're holding it. You're trying to do your best. And then something comes and happens. And some other pressure comes. And some discouragement happens. And somebody is unkind to you. And sooner or later, there is fatigue and there is weariness. And you're saying, God, I can't take it anymore. If you are here today and you are weary, and you are worn out and you are down and you are depressed and you are anxious because you're saying, God, give me a break. I've been trying to uphold it. I've been trying to uphold it. I'm trying to keep it all together. I can't, Lord. You've called me to be a mom. You've called me to be a dad. I've got to go to work and earn a living. I don't know how to do this. And your muscles are tiring and your soul is weary and your spirit is broken. I have news for you. The gospel of Jesus Christ promises that he is not just your establishment, He is your upholder. He upholds you. He holds you. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness. For how long? From that time on, from which time? From the time the son was given, forever. From the time the son, thanks Paul. From the time the son was given forever, he will uphold it and he will establish it. To the weary and the wounded and the tired, he's holding you. He wants to hold you. He wants to continue to hold you. He will continue to keep you. And then of course, perhaps... My favorite line in all of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. And the last line. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish all this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Not my zeal. God's zeal will accomplish it. For a moment of concentration and privacy, why don't you close your eyes? I want to pray for those who are tired or weary. You've walked in here today and you're saying, God, man, I'm so tired of holding it all together. I'm tired of keeping it all together. I'm tired of just holding it all together. I need help. I need need someone to hold me. I need someone to keep me. I need someone to... Today, the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to you to say he will hold you he will establish you and God's zeal will do it for you God's zeal 
not your zeal, God's zeal. This might be weird, but if you have the faith to, will you allow God to hold you right now? Put the weight into his careful, faithful hands. Put the burdens into his careful, faithful hands. Put the worry into his faithful, careful hands. Some of you have been going, 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 going for so long, you haven't taken a deep breath in a long time. Some of you just need to take a deep breath right now. Just breathe. Because that very breath in your nostrils, the Bible says, is the Spirit of God. It's the Ruach of God. It's what God breathed so that you and I became a living being. And Come on, some of you just in the presence of God, take a deep breath. Allow Him to hold you. Allow Him to care for you. Picture the hand of God keeping you. He wants to give. God 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 wants to give. He wants to give. He wants to give. He wants to give. God wants to give. Come on, parents, give your children to God. Husbands, wives, give your spouses to God. People at work, give your careers to God. Retired, give your retirement to God. People looking for work, give that to God. Allow Him to hold you. Thank you that of the increase of your government and your peace, there will be no end. So at Beacon Church, we declare this Sunday morning, our future is determined by your government. Future of our children determined by your government. We will talk about your government more than all the other governments we see. We will rejoice at your government more than every other government that's in our life. Let me give you a few promises for this week. Number one, God promises to give to you. Number two, if you're walking in darkness, Better days are ahead. Number three. His government will determine the future of your life. And that's a good government. Number four. 
you will have peace as you learn to rely on him number 5 all the weariness that you're feeling because you're trying to hold it all together right now receive rest and may this week be the most restful week you've ever had may this week be the sweetest sleep you've ever had may this week be the week where you just know with every fiber of your being right in the core of your spirit he will establish you and he will uphold you and the zeal of the lord almighty will accomplish this amen give jesus a hand of praise come on this morning hallelujah I want to encourage you to go and read Isaiah 9 verse 1 to 7 there's so much there to unpack I'm sure the Holy Spirit will give you further revelation